Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. This is our regular-sized Star Destroyer, because even regular-sized Star Destroyers can still be great. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Ked Napsuck, happy to be serving on the still sort of great Star Destroyer. <laughs> and today, it is a creature feature here on Four Center, the Beasts of Star Wars. I gotta imagine, I, I, I gotta tell you. Uh, I, uh, we've been doing well over 745 episodes, I think, or something is listed on our podcast page. We've never really focused on the beasts in this way. I'm excited 
to do it. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And this week, Joseph, our force center recommends is... Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. We're going to be doing a review soon, so we encourage you all to check out the book. You can download a free audiobook of Queen's Peril. To get that, you can go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com center for your free audiobook. Join us in enjoying Queen's Peril. We'll be talking about it soon. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got you got started on it, right, Ken? I, I've been just absolutely loving it, and I'm I'm just a, a time of this recording, just a few chapters in, and I actually was late getting ready for a recording today because I did the, I'll have a cup of coffee and read the prologue or whatever, and I was 40 pages in it and looked up and went, me gads, I must get ready. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm going to try to uh, not only finish reading the book, but lose time so I can, like you, say egads. It's a great <laughs> word. A great word to use. Egads, the time. Uh, we're going to have a good time. Egads, what a good time we're going to have. We've talked to, uh, on the main show uh, recently on this sort of the deep dive uh, version of the main show about some pretty meaty topics, some big philosophical stuff. And I, I think there's definitely some big Star Wars philosophy to look at with the creatures, but there's also just the fun of them and which ones we like so we're going to dive into it all the space monsters the beasts of burden the sea creatures the dragon skeletons uh these beasts and animals have always been a big part of the dna of star wars and we're going to talk about why uh the sort of beasts meaning their design their changes throughout the eras and all of our favorites so with all that said let's dive in ken when you think of beasts in star wars what is the first thing you think of? I think of the Rancor monster. Mm. Always, always and forever. I go to the Rancor. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about my relationship to the Rancor and uh, <laughs> uh, things about that uh, nature. Uh, I go to that. I do go to the Tauntauns a lot, but I go to those big classic creature moments. Yeah. Do you think the Rancor is partially because that is, I know, Return of the Jedi is your first uh, Star Wars film. Did the Rancor make a big impression in that moment, that first viewing? Joseph, uh, I don't know how much we've discussed on this show. I get scared easily. So <laughs> even though Pee-wee's Big Adventure was a movie that changed and in many ways defined my life, including sending me in the direction of the groundlings because of Paul Rubens, uh, Large Marge still kind of scares me. <laughs> I've heard that from many an adult. <laughs> yes. So um, the Rancor Monster at 7 at the Fremont uh, Theater in San Luis Obispo, California, uh, terrified me. And it, I, you saw the movie a few times, but you know, you didn't immediately, we didn't immediately go back to the theater the next week, right? It was not that time. Uh, my parents didn't, uh, couldn't necessarily afford that. Number one, two, we didn't do that. So next few times I saw it, um, my mom had to kind of help me through it. And it wasn't until, I mean, we're getting in deep, Joseph, we're getting in deep. It wasn't until I had one of those behind the scenes magazines, the one I think we've always, always talked about here with the little Yoda hand holding the uh, blue blade up. Um, and there is a shot of, uh, I think it's uh, the 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 puppet, the 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 you know the small kind of version of it that my yeah. mom had to be like, see, it's not real, <laughs> it's not big enough to swallow you whole, Ken. Yes. And anyways, that was my twenties, but it's good. No, uh, yeah. So it, 
I, I go to that. I go to that feeling often of the, the, the being terrified of the rancor. Yeah, that's really interesting that our introductory point to the the, the beasts, the creatures that stick with us is the terror. Because um, mm. I when I tried to really like, okay, separate all of your different like opinions and faves, when you think it, what's the first thing you see? And for me, it was Wampa. Um, and that's yeah. partially, I think, because Empire Strikes Back was the first thing that I saw. And I remember um, that at the time that Empire came out, I lived in Portland, uh, Oregon. It was one of the few times in the many places I lived as a kid that we really had uh, a neighborhood where a bunch of kids and we were all running around and playing together. And I remember playing with other kids and my mom having a conversation with another mom saying, I haven't taken my kids to uh, Empire Strikes Back yet. And I'm sure I'm sure she said the Star Wars. I haven't taken my kids to the Star Wars yet. Is it too scary? And my mom was like, I, well, there's this one time that this thing pops up out of nowhere. And I was like, it's the Wampa. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Wampa. You know, and this is before Special Edition. You barely saw the Wampa. It was more the yeah. idea of it. You know, it was just that one moment and the arm coming out from nowhere and this thing stalking uh, Luke. But, you know, I read about it and, and it lived in my imagination. And that that is the, my first creature that I think of. And it's interesting that it's it's terror. We start with terror. That's, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I want, see now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I wonder if prequel babies have, they might have a different view of beasts in Star Wars, right? Yeah, but which, which are are they terrified of shacks? Do they think they'll be run over on dates? <laughs> they should be. <laughs> why, are you, why are you going on a date with that girl? I, I got to tell you, no. I got to tell you, no. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. A shack will trample me. I, I, I can't go to on dates in fields. Uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't go to fields. There, there might be a shack there. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear from uh, many of our great listeners who share their wonderful uh, growing up experiences yeah. with the prequels and hear about that. Uh, how do you define beast or creature when you when you think about it? Do you separate it them into different categories? Uh, how does that process work for you as a fan? You know, I, I as always, I kind of make little notes to myself here. I've been trying so much to be uh, better about that on four center episodes of let me get my thoughts a little more organized. And I just changed it as I uh, heard you talking. I, I think beast is what makes me afraid and creature is what I want to pet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that really makes sense because clearly by trying to give this episode a title, I, I couldn't decide which, so I keep changing it. <laughs> creature feature, the beasts of star Wars, which is it? Yeah. yeah. I, and I think that is is what is really interesting about this segment of uh, the Star Wars galaxy is, to me, the the beasts slash creatures they're they're clearly not um, they're not self aware in the same way that a cat a cat is aware of what it's doing at the moment, but you know a cat is not uh, staring out the window and, and reflecting on you know existential dread like that kind of thing, um, you know and. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, it, this is kind of jokey, but in a way it's like, well, I mean, they're clearly, there are things that are animals and they mm. scale down from things like Tuca cats that are just like, oh, that's the Star Wars version of a, of an earth cat, uh, up to like huge exotic beasts that, you know, uh, maybe have some relationship to, you know, some ancient real world sea creature or whatever, but, are, you know, are much more scary creatures of imagination and myth and all that kind of thing. Um, but for me, when I'm watching it, you know, it, it's it, it's animal. It, it's not entirely, uh, you know, a, a beast or a creature is uh, generally uh, nude and doesn't have Senate representation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> yes, yes, uh, absolutely. But I'm thinking too, as as you as you say, you know, uh, creature like you know. Uh, then I go to the sea. This the colo clawfish and, and his, all his friends in that sequence there, uh, the, the the aqua monster and all, all you got there eating on eating a the bongo there. I mean those are those are sea creatures. So even my definition's not necessarily right, but it works for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll get into some of that because there is such a a range of what these uh these creatures are. Um, I think yeah. Anyway, we're gonna move on to this question. What do you think the just this general aesthetic of uh, bizarre, sometimes uh, cute and friendly, but often like large, terrifying creatures? What do you think that whole aesthetic adds to Star Wars? Why is it there? Why is it important? I think, you know, going beyond just what Lucas wanted to do with Flash Gordon serials, beyond that kind of stuff, but just these are the, the it, it, this is his, it, him trying to hit that sci fi. Uh, lane a little bit uh, uh you know star trek is is behind us at this point the original version there's some there's some crazy stuff in there too not necessarily in uh, uh the, the klingons and everything i know roddenberry and also the budget and style of the time but roddenberry had, had uh, different thoughts on on those kind of designs but space stuff exploration um monsters uh mythical stuff like i, I think it just kind of makes that jump off the screen and, and feel real and, and take us out of our world just enough, just enough to take in these modern myth lessons, but not think we're driving in Modesto. Uh, <laughs> we're we on a Bantha, you know? <laughs> in another yeah. World. Yeah. I think they, I think it is, they're fascinating because I think they are, they're, they're both kind of ancient, like especially the big terrifying beasts. They're like things from literal myth are, you know, challenges for you to overcome the, you know, the, the dragon that needs to be slain, uh, is like, it's a, it's a metaphor for the, this challenge, this trial you have to pass. So it's, right. it's there in like really old myth, but then, yeah, it's just, it's on the screen with, you know, uh, in, in books with Flash Gordon and Pulp Adventure Serial and Ray Harryhausen. And, and it's, there's just like kind of this tradition up through myth to early 20th century, science fiction and fantasy with sword and sorcery with weird beasts that, oh, you know, yeah. some, you know, shirtless guy with a sword <laughs> needs to take out. <laughs> um, so it's, it's got this whole tradition. Um, and I think sometimes it just gets carted into star Wars unexamined. And then there are parts of star Wars that I think are more, more mindful of it. But I also, yeah. I, I go to like the, um, just the skeleton of the crate dragon. And, to your point of taking us out of the real world a little bit, I think the beasts are there in the creatures just to invoke wonder too. Like just right. the way that when we, the, the way kids are still fascinated with dinosaurs of like these yeah. really different than we understand them animals, these in these giants existed and walked the earth. And there's just like this sense of wonder and scale that it gives the galaxy of star Wars, the same way discovering dinosaurs are real, uh, uh, does to us. I'm glad you mentioned the the crate dragon, because even though I saw Jedi first and new hope then and the empire, and it, it all kind of jumbles into one little experience as, as a kid, that, that crate dragon. And I remember the photo of it in that star Wars picture book that was out at the time. Talk about inspiring wonder. I, I was caught up in the adventures of C3PO and R2D2, but I was like, what is going on there? And I don't want them to run into that. And so my little, my young mind is, is, is 
traveling into the bigger picture of the galaxy, even though I wasn't super aware of what I was doing. Yeah. And the fact that it's a skeleton and you know that even in this world, this planet that they don't know what they're on, there is it's old enough that some huge thing died there sometime in the past. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it gives you that sense of, uh, uh, you know, a lived in galaxy. You know, when we talk about a lived in galaxy, it's all often about like how beat up the Falcon is or, you know, what a crappy bar Chalmers is. Right. Uh, but it's also like, hey, it's something massive already lived and died on the dunes of Tatooine before this story even started. Mm. Uh, I also think just in general for the the creatures of all sizes, you know, uh, from Porgs all the way up to Sando Aqua Monster, I think just the fact that the galaxy that our characters inhabit is it's a little closer to nature, like Coruscant, you know, we, we see next to nothing, um, obviously, uh, minus an escaped Zillow beast every once in a while. Um sure. So we ha- we definitely have urban environments, and it's not like they're you know weird creatures uh, crawling around the uh, clean corridors of Cloud City. But so many places that our characters go, they're close to nature. And for a a, a galaxy and and a story that cares about that idea that we're luminous beings, we're all a part of this. That seeing so many creatures keeps you kind of grounded to that idea of, yep, there, there's a bunch of cool technology in Star Wars, but the natural world is sort of the natural state and the natural dangers of that world emerge a lot. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah. It's just like, just trying to go about your day, you're liable to be uh, (laughs) consumed by something hiding under the sand or in a tree or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Just, just hard to get around in star Wars without uh, almost being devoured by something. What do you think uh, makes for successful creature or beast design in star Wars? Man, I've been thinking a lot about this one and I'm jumping to the, I'm jumping to like sequel trilogy stuff or even prequels after for me, you know, the original trilogy is, is the beginning uh, of my journey. So the new stuff, like how does it compare and how do we contrast and compare? And, and I'm, you know, we're not going to get into the discussion of should there have been more Grimorian guards on Canto Bight or anything like in the classic <laughs> legacy creatures. And I, and I, and I, you know what, I, my answer is, yeah, I would have liked to seen a little bit more in the sequel trilogy that I know of, uh, of creatures that I knew of, but, um, I think there is, um, I think there's, there is, there's, there's something to hit and it, it's a balance of, of real, real world that I can connect and go, Oh, that is sort of like this. Even you mentioned the Tuca cats or the Loth cats, you know, kind of being, Oh, house cat. I get it. I get it. Space cat. Um, I think that's when it kind of works best for me, but that's just, that's just, that's just me. Uh, I, 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 I don't see a lot of examples of it failing. I go to the Rathars, which I don't like as much, but I like the design of it. And I'd say that the Rathars are a pretty unique design in Star Wars, unless you want to count the Sarlacc Pit or the original version of it. Yeah. Yeah. You mean just uh, sort of the inventiveness of it is a ball of uh, eyes and uh, mouth and tentacles and hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tentacles of hate. Yeah. Just like it, it is a really... Like these are all elements that we recognize from the real world, but combined in a shocking new way. Yeah, and I I realize I'm not given like this real direct answer. It's one of those, hey, what what does Star Wars feel like? You you know it when you feel it. Um, I'm, I'm going to uh, let's go back to under the uh, the the planet core. Like 
I don't know if those designs worked for me back in 99. Now I look at them and I'm like, fun, terrifying, mythic, scary, and also Colo Clawfish, a good appetizer. So I just think I've grown within Star Wars. But back then, I don't know why I I was like, I don't think that's Star Wars. When Jabba had a lizard frog that <laughs> wart that, 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 you know. Yeah, the frog dog. Frog dog, like, like what, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I don't have a direct answer for it. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you where I don't think there is one direct answer. I think sometimes what feels Star Wars to us, it, it is a design challenge, um, but it is also a little bit, we can have biases about, you know, what we experienced first um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and what looks too close to some other bit of media, like you've made the good point of you, you know, the, the Rathars remind you of men in black. So it takes you out of star Wars. Right. Right. Um, but for me, I think it is something where, yeah, the, the design of the creature or the, the monster or the beast or however you want to say it really evokes something in the real world but is still somehow alien. And, and the, the idea that I kept coming back to is I think the, the ones that I like the most are dreamlike, where you would say like, hey, I had a dream about a weird horse. <laughs> <laughs> it was like kind of a horse, but not really. It was like standing on, on two legs, and then it had like weird little T-Rex arms. And it, it, it wasn't a horse at all. It was like a, a lizard and like, hey, it's a Tauntaun, you know? Right. And I think it's the that the ones that feel dreamlike. And I think there are a couple. Um, I would, and, and I think it gets to be a challenge as design goes on. But there are a couple in you know later video games or Rebels. They're like, that's eh, a spider. Like, it's a little different, right. but eh, it's a big spider. It, it, it's scary, but it doesn't quite get for me to that level of dreamlike where it, it, it you know evokes something. And like even the Rathtar, like dreamlike. That's like that's a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> truly uh, terrifying. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think the yeah. uh, go ahead. No, I just think in terms of dream, like where, when it when it works the best. It, I'm glad you said Tauntauns. I I, I really love dubecks. I also love lizards. Right? I just I just my backyard is a, a zoo for spiders, uh, rats now apparently, and I don't <laughs> you know, and I had pet rats as a kid, but like we have a ton of lizards in the yard and I'm not trying to get rid of one of those lizards. I want them to play with me. So I've always loved the do back, but that's very dreamlike. What if you could ride a lizard? It's land of the lost, but other stuff, you know, father ears work for me. Father ears are sequent. Whether you like the sequence aside, put that aside. Uh, the design is exactly what you described. What if, what if it was a, a horse, but not, it was a horse in space. It was like a giraffe horse in space. <laughs> Uh, and I love those designs and the ones that work for me um, don't have a ton of that. The spot you mentioned the spiders and, and rebels. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I'm Lord of the Rings fan. I, I, I get, she love freaks me out. Um, those work for me less because they just seem like, you know, I don't know, stop motion, Harryhausen villains or something. <laughs> yeah. Spiders, uh, big, big old monster spiders. Yeah. And I think that is a challenge if we, we get used to, uh, ideas so they don't seem dreamlike anymore because we all like monster spiders like yeah yeah no yeah, yeah. You, you see one of those every day sometimes you sit down see two or three spider monsters <laughs> a day in any given media right yeah um yeah i think there's some uh, father's is a great example as well because i think uh, a big part of the design magic is what is the narrative impact or intent of the uh beasts and like 
some things are meant to be terrifying, right? They're meant to be like a, a nightmare come true or or a um, a trial you need to pass, like the Rancor. Um, and others are meant to be like, this is a thoughtful, soulful uh, animal. And, mm-hmm. and the, the Fathers, I think, they're, they're designed with those uh, bigger eyes and those kind of uh, friendly faces uh, because that's their narrative intent. Mm. And it, it, as I was going through, you know, we're going to talk about favorites from the different eras. And I was going through and looking at mine. I think that uh, a lot of the favorites are the ones that honestly have better stories, better narrative impact. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, shocks, right? Shacks, just shacks all the way. <laughs> I do love shacks. So uh, maybe that says uh, more about uh, the narrative impact they made on my life. Uh, those <laughs> giant butt cows. They're a thing of nightmares. That's <laughs> that's what it's about. Um, so we're going to have to end up talking about this. So we're just getting it out of, out of the way. How do you feel about the moral ambiguity of beasts? Uh, some of these creatures are treated as a companion. Some of them are meant to be adorable, like the porgs or the tukas. Uh, some are meant to be uh, helpers uh, uh, after a fashion, like the fathers. And, and others are designed to be scary monsters, uh, but they're still mercilessly slaughtered and hacked apart by our loving Jedi friends. So mm-hmm. how do you feel about that tension? It when you stop and think about it, sometimes it did. We're, we're not just having, this isn't just a tongue in cheek conversation folks about, about beasts. I, I have these thoughts a, a, a lot. We, we, we talk a little, I think we will be talking a little bit about fallen order and some of that stuff there, but I'll tell you where I'm going. Listen to your question. Uh, you Jedi, you, know, you can't come on, Obi-Wan, like give the reek a chance, right? <laughs> give the accolade a chance. Give, give, uh, give the, give it a chance, man. Um, but I'm going to the Mudhorn, Mandalorian. Hmm. It's it's like it's it's my favorite episode, and it's a great moment. It's a powerful moment. I can I every time I watch it, I'm like, hey, that thing was just protecting its egg, man. Buzz off, Mando. <laughs> and it makes yeah. me. Sad. It actually, the sequence makes me sad, even though I love it, and I love the reveal of the use of the Force, and, and I love what it says about uh, uh, the Mandalorian himself, and I that's probably still my favorite episode of the show, and. And all four, all four, Suka, a taste treat. And the Mudhorn you know, becomes this sigil, whatever you want to say. It's, it's, it's important. It's very important. But I, I've never watched it and thought, good on you. Kill that Mudhorn. <laughs> right. Like, hey, hey. Right. It's, the, it, it's a trial, right? It's very yeah. uh, traditionally uh, mythic. Of you know he's he's trying to complete his quest. He's gotten that uh, lecture about uh, you know riding the Mythosaurus uh, from <laughs> uh, from good old Queel. Uh, but you're right, it is. It's just because the the Jawas want the tasty suka treat. So this poor Mudhorn is just yeah. defending itself, right? Yeah. I mean, if he had been strolling along and they were like, "Go get, go get uh, the 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 jewel of the desert," and he's walking and he's getting some rock that they want that's great value, and also the Mudhorn comes out. And again, I'm not suggesting that's the better way to do it. I'm not Favreau or <laughs> Rick Family. I'm just saying, I think emotionally I would have been like, yeah, you kill that beast to try to kill the, the baby Yoda. Instead, I, I can't separate myself of, well, you were in, you were in the Mudhorn's house. <laughs> yeah. Th- there's a big difference between um, the morality of Jabba, a villain, keeping the rancor against its will in a pit, probably hungry and Luke is, you know, uh, 
kill or be eaten situation. Right. right. You know, uh, and that's like, that's heartbreaking. And we'll definitely talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a like, I got, I got to pass this trial. And, and from Mando's perspective, it is a trial, but uh, it's really different to be like, uh, hey, uh, some some people uh, want, me to, <laughs> want me to steal your children. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, you kind of got to laugh so you don't cry. Um, yeah. I remember thinking about this. There's, uh, I believe it is the uh, episode of The Clone Wars. I haven't watched it in a little while where Obi-Wan uh, teams up with uh, with Quinlan Voss. Mm. And it's it feels just like it's adventure serial, and they they're they're chasing uh, Cad Bane, and a, a big creature jumps in the way, and they just gotta hack it, and they do, and like, and I it that's one of the ones that really got me thinking about this. Of there's that there's this tension in Star Wars always between the fact that it is this awesome action adventure full of cool action, and and preaches such. Uh, um pacifism and in, in that everyone and everything has value and we're all connected through nature and there are moments where it, i think it, it handles that thoughtfully and other moments where it, it, it star wars just kind of does revert to its roots of pulling from myth and uh pulp adventure serial where uh they're just beasts they're just obstacles for the hero and sometimes it, it, star wars can afford to slow down and and wrestle with that and other times it's just like that beast's in my way <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Yeah. How do you, so, so I think, you know, I think we both feel the same way of it. It's something that we give thought to as we watch yeah. these mm-hmm. is you and I have talked about this. I've seen other people talk about this Jedi fallen order. You're playing a Jedi. You got to have something to hack apart and you spend a ton of that just hacking apart animals, uh, creatures. And it, I think it bothered both of us. Right. It it did, and I'll preface this by saying, you know, uh, it didn't. I didn't throw down the controller and stop playing. Um, and it, not just us. Our friend Billy Patterson, who uh, his wife uh, just gave birth to their first first child. Congratulations, oh, yeah. Congrats, um, Billy. Yeah, um, he had he texted me the same thing. It, it just kind of, not, and he wasn't really necessarily plugged into the Star Wars fandom discussion about it. He just wrote me. He was like, man, you. It's just me. Is you kill a lot of animals in this game? <laughs> it's like no, all all the way through it. So not like I'm, I'm an animal uh, lover. I uh, you know a big dog guy. All those kind of things. Um, I I'm not a hunter. I'm not commenting on those who who hunt. I'm not a, definitely not a fan fan of uh, big game kind of hunting all that kind of stuff. But uh, you going out for for deer season? I, I'm not. I I eat meat, so I'm not. I'm not judging here. But keep my. I, I, so I preface that by saying like. Even on Red Dead Redemption 2, where hunting is, is part of the time period, but also part of the game, I'll never 100% complete the game because I don't go hunting on it because <laughs> I can't go around hacking buffalo. Yeah. Just, it, 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 it doesn't feel right to me. I will have a buffalo burger. I, life is a series of contradictions, people. Um, <laughs> I think that might of, be our best answer, that life yeah, is a series yeah, of contradictions. Yeah. Uh, you, know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to see how, how, the, how the omelet's made, I guess. Um, so <laughs> The suka omelet. Yeah, so going back to Fallen Order, I, it just, after like the second planet, I mean, the first planet you're on, I mean, it's, it's the learning lesson, right? Um yeah, it just felt it felt weird as a Jedi who is supposed to be connected to whether or not he's learning or not. I can get that. What is he's supposed to be connecting to this magical force that binds all of us living creatures together? Well, all that all that great mythical stuff. It did feel weird, which also, by the way, included 
some of the hacking of the stormtroopers, which again, I'm not didn't spend a lot of time diving into the philosophy of this game, but it did at times feel weird. And those, those were some conversations that were had in Star Wars fandom about would a Jedi just be doing this? But anyway, or especially with the Knight brothers, by the way, when I was gonna made- say the night, yeah, the Knight brothers really bothered me as well too. Cause it, it did feel like narratively that kill or be killed was introduced, but it's also just like, come on, these, these guys have a hard lot in life. Yeah, yeah, that's probably even a better example than the Stormtroopers because I, I thought Battlefront Two, the story, but we talk often of that Luke Skywalker scene with Del Mico because it address it essentially is addressing that literally. Like, didn't you just hack Stormtroopers? They didn't give me a choice. Um, some, the philosophy of video games. Anyways, I'm rambling. It did. It did get me. It got me. Yeah, yeah. I think for myself, I was like, uh, it, it helps me to talk through it with other people. It mm-hmm. helps me to be analytical about well, sometimes this is just Star Wars pulling from its own its own roots, the things that uh, inspired it. And I think, uh, in other times, I think Star Wars does take the time to really address it. Like, yeah. I, I don't think everything you're saying about the Mudhorn, I, I don't think that, I think that was considered. I think that is a part of, you know, he even goes on to say, I mean, I know it's because the, the child helped him, but goes on to say, like, it wasn't a noble kill, right? Like, yeah, that's on the table. The morality of it is is on the table, and uh, you know the Vexus is is huge for me in yeah. in Rise of Skywalker because that's a moment where Star Wars stops and examines this. Oh, uh, every time you see a beast, kill it, right? I've got it. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I in in the theater had that. I mean, obviously it's a threat. You, you're down there. You're laughing at three PO's lines, but you're like something isn't right down here. And when it appears. I naturally assumed they would have to fight their way out of that. And that's bad on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's one of the, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I love Rise of Skywalker is it, it is dealing with the themes of Star Wars and does have new things to say about them because we've got this ingrained in us that Star Wars comes from these roots where uh, every once in a while we'll point out it's sad or, you know, we'll point out that uh, um, it's morally questionable. But yeah, it's the the galaxy is full of beasts and you have to shoot them and kill them. And to have Poe have that like, yeah, there's no other way out of this. It's yeah. such a great way to introduce us to this is who Rey is. That her natural instinct, even though she's had an incredibly rough life and she has every reason to lash out, her instinct is, is there any better way to handle this? Mm-hmm. What What's the monster? The monster? See, I mean, you're just calling it a monster. Yeah. What's What's the serpent been yeah. through? And can I try something else first? Is mm-hmm. a great moment of uh, Rise of Skywalker building on what has come before in Star Wars and saying and showing something new. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Provexus, Provexus. Um, I would have been Poe, and you would have had a bit. Hold, hold me back. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot it. I'm gonna shoot. It. Um, final question for this uh, this first general discussion of beasts, then we'll get into details from different eras. When a Star Wars character lands on a new planet, do you think their first question is just, "What animal can I ride here?" <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's just a function of the job. It's 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 a you got to. I think there's a list, too. I think there's a database of um, uh, you know possible beasts of burden throughout the galaxy. I think that's going to be one entire High Republic novel. <laughs> there, I mean, people are always asking for different ideas for uh, uh, Star Wars movies. What if there was just a, like, you got to collect them all, like a Star Wars tourist thing where, like, 
you have to ride every beast of burden in in oh, the Star Wars yeah. galaxy. You just travel from planet to planet, learning to ride everything. Did this fabled uh, give us a Red Dead uh, Redemption Star Wars game, Mass Effect Star Wars game that we always talk about, people always ask about or dream about? That would be in it. 100% completion can't happen until you ride every beast of burden in the galaxy that you find. Yeah, a Red Ride Redemption. That's right. Mm-hmm. Ride all the beasts. Uh, yeah, and, that, and that's a great tradition uh, in a way that all of these creatures are involved. You know, going back to the Dubak, to the Tauntaun, and on and on and on to all of the creatures uh, that have given our friends <laughs> a helpful lift to their destination. All right, let's get into some of the different eras. Um, so we're going to start with some of the original trilogy creatures. Uh, you already touched upon this, but do you feel like you and, and and I have a bias toward original trilogy creatures because we grew up with them? Yeah, yeah, I think that's just an uh, example of what comes first, right? Even if it's your favorite album from your favorite artist and they release the second one, you're like, well, it wasn't quite like the first one. And then you grow to love the second album just as much. Yeah, these are all creatures we grew up with. Uh, fascinated with or were terrified by and that's the standard standard for us our entry point into star wars yeah yeah and i was fascinated by thinking about this because i do think it is just yeah whatever you see first but then also just because of the way the world worked there is there was not the same volume of uh science fiction you know weird genre creations so and there aren't quite as many beasts in the original releases of Star Wars. So the Bantha and the Tauntaun and the Rancor it got to live in the cultural imagination for years and years and years for that relationship to grow. And, mm. you know, if somehow magically the prequel trilogy came out first and we had all memorized as a culture, the Reek, uh, the Nexu and the Akle, if if the, you know, the original Star Wars fan group fan magazine was named after Ackley, maybe mm. Ackley would live larger in our imaginations too. That So there's the, there's the personal experience that, that you and I had being of that generation, but then there's the fact that they just had time to grow in the cultural imagination as well. Totally agree with that. And, and that, that is also when it comes to trivia questions, <laughs> quotes, quotes from the seventies are in your brain more than the quotes you saw last year. Cause you just, you grew up with them, you, you lived them in, and, um, Banthas is a great example. It's like you you could one I remember going to the San Diego Zoo when I was real young, um, eight or nine, and one of the I don't have any way to prove this factually, but the tour guide said one of the, one of these elephants over here was in Star Wars as a bantha. <gasps> and really? yeah, it, yeah, it was as if I had met Mark Hamill. <laughs> like, like we were in like a little like boat type thing going around a little lake or something like that. It, you know, it's one of those foggy memories from my youth. Um, and yeah, I, I just couldn't believe it, you know, couldn't believe it. <laughs> I wanted to get out and get his autograph. Uh, right. and because, and so uh, that's, there you go. I grew up with it and, and, and just a fond place in my heart for a bantha. Right. Oh man. That's amazing. The elephant roars, uh, George, you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. Like, what? Yeah. I, I later saw the ferret that played the Dianoga. It was, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that that is totally a ferret of a creature <laughs> Luke, what was it doing it's trying to just run around in my pants for some reason <laughs> it pulled me down it's trying to run around in my lower armor weird mm-hmm. um all right so for the different eras i tried to just make a list and some of them you and i and the rest of star wars culture know like the back of our hands and some of the newer ones i don't think 
we culturally have memorized as much unless they happen to be your fave. But for original trilogy, special editions uh, included, because that's just the way it is, you got the Crit Dragon Skeleton, you got Dubax, you got the Banthas, you got the Dianoga, you got the Tauntaun, the Ronto, Wampa, Minox, Bogwings, Dragonsnake, Exagorth, Rancor, Wart, Sarlacc, controversially listed uh, in the databank as a creature, Quackian Monkey Lizard. So those are some, if not all, of the beasts and creatures from the original trilogy. Um, yeah. Do you, I, I, I'm really on the fence about whether Quacky and Monkey Lizard counts. I really am, too. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, I think it was why I was a little disturbed, though I enjoyed it, a little bit disturbed at the Star Wars Celebration Mandalorian reveal of a um, Quacky and Monkey Lizard being roasted while another one watches. That kind of affected me <laughs> yeah I'm salacious b crumb he's got a name <laughs> that cruel to see and then i know that's not salacious but like um yeah that that oh i but the, you know then the the star wars resistance episode um uh, makes me think of a more creatures or presented more creatures the quacky and apes yeah that's yeah, a bit yeah. different you know Here's mm-hmm. the thing. I just I just uh, found it why uh, Salacious for me is a dividing line. Um, okay. Because uh, Salacious, yeah, he has a name, but but we name our pets, and you know, Boga the Ractal has a name. It's Boga. Um, Salacious laughs at jokes. <laughs> yes, and that seems like really of our culture as sentient beings, right? Like. <laughs> There are other moments where Salacious may be like, oh, he just happens to, you know, like shiny things. So he goes after 3PO's eyes or he's mesmerized by Jabba's tail because it's just a thing moving. There's like very there's some very, you know, house pet like things about Salacious. But I mean, when was the last time your cat was like great zinger? (laughs) I in all my years of Star Wars have not really broken it down to that moment, sir. You've changed my view on. Yes, that's exactly it. He's in on the joke. He's in on the joke. Yeah. Joke. If I mean, if the character can knowingly laugh at uh, cruel jokes, then please, please don't put I them mean, in the creature tab. I've got a lot of evidence in the last year or three years, actually, of of the understanding uh, of uh, comprehension of uh, Chihuahuas. I I can tell you, but I, I don't know if I don't you know I don't know if it's that. But uh, wow, yeah, that's it. That's the dividing line. If 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 Boga the Veractal turned around and was like, nice shot, Obi-Wan. <laughs> right. Or like uh, with sometime when the fight's not going well for Obi-Wan and, and the Boga's like, ha ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Boga. It's Boga. Boga's his name. Boga the Veractal. Uh, we already talked a lot about original trilogy B, some of our favorites. Uh, do have a, a favorite from this list? Uh, you know, you said Rancor is what you thought of, but is the Rancor your favorite or do you have a different fave from this era? I've grown to, we can talk about the rank in a bit. I, I do love Dubex. I love lizards. So the, the riding a nice, safe, slow lizard is on my <laughs> I do like the Tauntauns. Um, I've always loved those. Now, the Wampa did terrify me a little bit, too. Uh, the Rancor got to me first. But I've become obsessed with the Wampa over the years. I've even talked about this. I have a lot of Wampa, you know, the Wampa Funko Pop, the Wampa Black, Black Series with the Luke hanging next to him. Um, I have, I have a lot of Tauntaun stuff too, but it's Han and the Tauntaun. I have a lot of that. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, it is, um, like my, one of my fantasy baseball teams for years was the Stomp and Wampas. Like I, I've become mm. a 
obsessed with that later, but going back to when I originally watched Bantha's Dubacks, um, uh, and Tauntauns would probably be the favorite. Okay. Okay. Big yeah, beast. It, guy. What's that? I said, I guess I'm a big beast of burden guy. You are. I mean, I and mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I think the the Wampa's a great example, too, because, you know, that easily could have been Luke hacks it apart. Um, maybe that would have been harder to realize when they're having problems with the Wampa costume when they were making it. But, right, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's just a limb. I'm sure that's not going to, it's not great for the Wampa, but it was <laughs> that or uh, be eaten. Um, I love the Wampa, for sure. It's what I think of, because I think I, I tend to think of this category more from the monsters, but there are so many things that aren't monsters that are beasts of burdens or, or, or cute, lovable friends. I think the Tauntaun might, it's hard because I've lived with all these, but the Tauntaun, I think the Tauntaun it has such a high place in my imagination because it is really weird. It, it's a, They write it, but it is its body is more T-Rex shaped and then its head is this, you know, weird thing with horns. It's kind of cute, kind of weird, right. but it's the noises, the Tauntaun with the Tauntaun. It's the noises that put it over the top. And I've told you how my Chihuahua when I was growing up would make Tauntaun noises. You know, if you scratch the right part of Nico's back, he <laughs> make all those. Just for you, sir. Just for you, sir. <laughs> uh, shout out to the Star Wars app, which has a spectacular soundboard of a lot of those type of things. You had that ready to go. There's the record. No, I, I was using it on a stream, but I, as you're talking about the Tauntaun, I was like, wait a minute, we can play. Uh, anyways, yeah, I, I love, uh, gosh, do you have any video of Nico doing that? Yeah, sadly, no. Sadly, no. Oh, man. So. But yeah, the the noises are are a big part of it, a, a big part of the overall design. Um, do womp rats count uh, as a creature beast to you, or are they too small? I know. I think they count. I think the, the womp rat. You know, like I said, I have a, I have an interesting relationship with it. We, we are having a little bit of a rat problem around our property in our in our attic. But I also was raised with rats, not as feeder foods for snakes. I, I'm not a huge snake fan. Uh, like I'm like Indiana Jones, but, uh, so I, I love, I had ferrets for a while. I grew up with rats. I love, I love little rodent creatures, but also I don't want them rats in my house right now. <laughs> so I want no. rats under that same relationship. Understandably, understandably. Yeah. Uh, and before we move on from the original trilogy era, we have to touch on, on the rancor was yeah. sympathy for the rancor rancor, a, mm -hmm. a, a point of no return where, these creatures, even when they're a menace and a challenge and our heroes do have to uh, fight them to survive, was, was that a point where we, we can't go back from humanizing them and, and having empathy for them? Yeah, that left a, absolutely left an indelible mark on me in the same movie where in the same minutes earlier, I'm terrified as a kid. I identified with now, as I know, Mal Malakili, but the, the rancor keeper crying. It was a funny moment. Now it, it was, it's, it's definitely played for laughs. Let's not deny that. And as a kid, I thought it was a funny moment. I guess I just liked that humor, but in, in dig, digging into why I found it funny uh, is probably the deeper conversation of that horrible creature, uh, you know, had someone that loved it <laughs> and how, <laughs> how funny that seemed to me as a child. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a big moment. And it, and it definitely, I felt it. I felt it going over and, and which has led to, a little bit more of me, you know, probably later than, you know, uh, 
later than I realized, uh, uh, later in my in my fandom than I would think. I, I, I knew, oh, it's called Patessa, Patissa, you know, it has a name and has whole thing and Malachili's there you know I, I got really fascinated by that and that relationship yeah yeah I think it's a it's a fascinating thing because it, it does fully real uh, read as uh, it's it's a comedy beat you know yeah, totally. um and even the way the actors playing it but it made me sad as a as a kid mm-hmm. like I wasn't mad at Luke because I knew he had to do that but mm-hmm. it made me sad you know I um I don't have uh pets right now because uh my wife is allergic, but I grew up with uh, dogs and cats to the point where, you know, I was in uh, Catholic grade school, uh, first through third grade, and uh, we had a, a word scramble, uh, and we were supposed to, you know, work out all of the words. Uh, and I think I, I got OGD, and I was like, dog. <laughs> and then the, my, uh, my teacher, who was a nun, was like, uh, you're in Catholic school, that's God. <laughs> Like, but I just, <laughs> it was just like because it was just presented to me of like you know here's unscramble these words of things that are important and like well dogs are very important they're part of our world um yeah so I was, I was very attuned to being sensitive to animals and seeing the rancor from that point of view really i, I don't think i would have thought of it that way i mm-hmm. think i would have thought like just oh luke survived from the scary mean monster yeah but as soon as you saw it in that other light it gave you that different point of view a certain point of view, indeed. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. That's there. I love the laugh, and I love the meaning. Yeah, yeah. So sympathy for the rancor is going to take us to a quick break, and when we get back, we will dive into the beasts of the prequel trilogy and all the other many eras of Star Wars. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Respectfully, on the backs of dewbacks like stormtroopers, we have returned. So we are going to jump forward from the original trilogy to beasts and creatures of the prequel trilogy. There was kind of a an increase in beasts. Uh, some of the ones in in the original trilogy got added later, like the old Ronto and things like that. But here is a list of just some of the beasts in the prequel trilogy. Can we got the Cadu, the Famba? The Falumpaset, the OPC Killer, the Sando Aquabeast, the Colo Clawfish, Eopi, Nuna, Cahoon, Shack, Reek, Acklay, Nexu, Iwa, Ore, Varactyl, Dactylian. 
<laughs> that's just uh that's just the major ones uh mm. and i start to as i'm reading them i start to feel like i have actually transcended into some other a different level of knowledge and i have learned a new and wonderful language by the time i start uh, <laughs> getting into that list uh so just off the top and i, I don't mean this in any sort of like trivia way mm-hmm. how many of those are you like yeah of course i know what that is and how many of those start to get into the, like what are we talking about now there's a little bit of uh, I'll say I know probably more than I would even think I would know. Um, I just had to look up the Falumpa set. Uh, I did not know that one, but now I do. Um, yeah, yeah. Ore, I actually like the Ores. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't not Iowa. Iowa. What is this one? I'm checking Wikipedia yeah. to go because yeah, it's uh, uh, you'd think you know, and then you don't know. Oh, it's from Camino. Yep. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah, in the uh, the dactylion is one that I looked up on my most recent uh, studying for Star Wars trivia because I started to get obsessive of like, all right, something flew in the background of Utapau. What's that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and some of them even you know take work to find. It's a dactylion. Um, yeah. So what is your what is your favorite beast in the general prequel trilogy era? I go immediately to the Eopis. Uh, the reason I go to the Opies is again, I guess I again, I guess beast burden thing with me. I like the Kadu, I like the Kadu, but the Opies seems to have my a uh, little bit of my sense of humor. Okay, <laughs> you're in it for the farts, is that it? Uh, in it for the farts, but also just there's a uh, I don't know. I've always thought, even the look back, it's just kind of a <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a small percentage of my humor, but I, I like the Opie man. It's my it's my speed of an animal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the the Kadu are the uh, the ones uh, the Naboo creatures that the Gungans ride. Uh, so those were up there for you. The, there's something about the vibe of the Yopi that it really is a calm and easygoing animal. Like when you there's something about the vibe of Yopi. I feel like eh, training them to be beasts of burden was not a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, they were like they, they were like, eh, we're going that way anyways. Exactly. Hitch a ride, Jedi, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that part of what you like about them? That they they are they are just kind of chill? Absolutely is. I, I'm bummed in Battlefront 2 you can't ride them. You can ride a ton ton now, but um I, I always try. I always go up to them and thought maybe think maybe there's a glitch in the game and I can ride them around uh Tatooine. Yeah, there's just something about it. And if you're on Tatooine, I gotta imagine, you know. You got to do back kind of slow and purposeful, right? Uh, it, it'll get there in its own time. And the Opie, you know, it's like, hey, look, we could hurry, but there's two sons here. Uh, <laughs> take your time around the city. I like yeah. it. Let's not hurry. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot I like in here. Uh, I, the You were talking about the sort of when you saw Phantom Menace in 99, how new the design of uh, all of the uh, aquatic yep. beasts uh, felt. Um, I've always liked the uh, design of the Sando Aqua Beast because it just feels like such a, like, it earns its name. It's a big, you know, this massive dinosaur-like creature underwater is right. always really cool to me. Um, I I do have an obsession with the shacks, uh, with the butt cows. <laughs> it started kind of as a joke because uh, it is just like they got the tiny heads and then just like massive, massive, most of their bodies is a big old butt is what it looks like to me yeah. um it, it started from a place of comedy but now as we like dive into like well how do you design these things so they kind of make sense with the environment um but truly look different and memorable and i like how unique and memorable they are you 
you definitely don't forget them, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, yeah. Um, the Iowa f- uh, fascinates me too because we, you know, we only see it for a second. But in that second we see it, it is an underwater winged beast yeah. that I believe is being ridden by Cami mm-hmm. uh, Noen. And we don't know what the the rest of the Camino people seem like city people. Like they're like, hey, we're in here making clones. If there's a speck of dirt on our robes, we brush it off. And yeah. what is what is this Camino and doing underwater on a flying creature? Well, you look at it. It really makes me more intrigued by the, the culture there on Camino and that planet. You know, you know what I mean? Like, cause it, you're, you're totally right. It is like you're, you're living in downtown Burbank there. Uh, when you're going around, uh, we got clones and a, and a, and a wood ranch. What do you want? Um, <laughs> but then you add that and it adds almost like we're talking about the crat dragon and that's a skeleton on the sand dune, but like, Whoa, what else is going on on this planet? Yeah. I want to I spend some time on Camino. Yeah. Is that a cloner with the day off or is that somebody who has a totally different, <laughs> uh, civilization, you know? <laughs> I'm going for a spin. See you, Bob. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, make sure that they know how to fire those blasters, but I get back on Tuesday. Okay, Bob. <laughs> uh, I think my other big favorite from the uh, prequel area, era, area, you know, my prequel area, uh, yeah. the prequel era is because of the design, because of the sound design, which is I'm learning huge for me when it comes to creatures, but also the narrative. And that is Boga the Varactyl. Um, I know, I know many people who don't like the Vractos, but I love the Vractal. How, how do you feel about them? Uh, that's, that's really interesting. I think I have buried in, in my memory, a dislike of the, of, of, of Boga specifically Boga. Uh, and I, I'm glad cause I absolutely love it. And we talked Star Wars always has this, this, imagery and and this use of the organic versus the mechanic right i mean this is literally it and it's also just fun when when obi-wan's kind of like whistling like a cowboy for his horse yeah i get time in the theater now i, I like everyone revenge by by 2005 revenge of the sith um was played better for me in 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 the theater my initial experience uh compared to just absolutely loving those films now um yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Joseph. I think I was in that crowd of what an iguana, even though I loved a dewback, a lizard. You know, like that was the and that was the weird feeling we older fans took into these movies that we all had to eventually deal with or not, and you just rolled on. But um, and going back and looking at it in a different way, I I thoroughly enjoy it. It might be because Boga has a name and laughs at a joke. I don't know. Um, Anyway, side note, weird. I don't know, man. You were there from the beginning, so God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. I no, I I I was. I think I had the like, well, that's that's weird, but I I, I it was a couple well, probably about four or five years ago, I was interacting with uh, some people in the media discussion world. I, I shan't name them. And there <laughs> were three people who were like, What was that thing called? And I was like, Oh, it's Boga the Varactyl. And they're all like, It's so dumb, right? With the noise and the way it looks. It's dumb, right? And they're all like, Yeah, it's dumb. And then the conversation moved on and it stuck in my head of like, why? <laughs> Un- compared yeah. to what? Uh, by yeah. what criteria is Boga the Varactyl dumb? I mean, just design wise. I mean, yeah, it's a big iguana. So you, you, for me, you start like in that place where like that dreamlike quality I like of like, it's kind of close to something. 
Mm-hmm. You can definitely understand it, but it's got this weird posture where its elbows are are, are in all of its leg joints, uh, knees and elbows, I guess, are a little higher up, and its sternum, its you know core, is kind of slung a little bit lower. So then it really emphasizes that tail swooping up. I love that it's got the weird feathery head. You know, it brings yeah. to mind the the revelations and discussions that hey, you know those. Scary dinosaurs probably had big old feathers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really evoking that for me. And then you add that that just haunting cry. And mm-hmm. like this is in some ways for the the prequel trilogy having more beasts because there's more CGI and and Lucas could go a little bit crazier. The Vractal feels like it matches the original trilogy spirit to me. Uh it really does. And then what I'm you know, the story I'm telling of, of my initial resistance combined with your story shows some of the resistance to the prequels, what it's based on. Nothing. <laughs> it's built on sand, that resistance to it. And and God bless the prequel generation that didn't have those hangups. And again, you know, we, we could have the prequels discussion. I don't mean to go down that path of what worked or what didn't work. But... Um, I always love, you know, you know me, Joseph, I love these in-story discussions of Star Wars where you just only talk about the world if it's as, as if it's real. And, and, and then you can really kind of come to terms with some things if you look at it that way. How is, and I'm speaking to original trilogy fans here, how could you go and look at Boga, the Veractical, Veractal, and, and think, that's horrible, but you totally accepted an Exogorth, which was a... <laughs> puppet snake in an asteroid that just you could st- stay in yeah and if you if you didn't shoot a blaster at its tongue you could have a nice summer vacation there like and and, and by the way and then the legends of luke skywalker book actually spends time in one um and, or jabba's palace yeah how could you look at yak face <laughs> drinking on the barge and, and think anything else is weird and, and yeah. that just shows what you grew up with and what you just accepted uh, you and I might, upon the first viewing, looked at the shack and went, what, butt cows? And a different reaction to them. You immediately went home and bought a, a butt cow poster. Um, <laughs> you know, compare, again, I love what you're saying. Compared to what? Yeah. By <laughs> Weird what criteria? What in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, you met the elephant that played a bantha. A bantha yeah. is just an elephant with like a Halloween costume. It's got a coat and a mask and it's an elephant. It went to Halloween world, uh, <laughs> spirit world, and uh, it used to be a sports chalet and got itself a furry costume. Can I get the mammoth costume? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's just a big weird elephant thing. Yeah. And just like the Vractos, a big weird iguana thing with feathers, damn it. Sorry, it took a real passion turn there, but this is what I love about it, why I love these deep, deeper discussions. Yeah, at the time, again, yeah, I probably went wise open one riding riding a, a, an iguana that my sister had. Um, but then you look back and you're like, there's so much fun to it. You talk about, you imagine, you know, you're at that table and John Knoll tells that story in, in the Mando series, uh, the gallery series. Uh, one day, George actually said, yep, guess what? We are going to do Star Wars. Imagine if you're ILM guys like Knoll or imagine if you're if folks like Doug Chang coming on board going, we can design almost anything we want now. Let's go crazy. And that's what some of these creatures in the prequels are to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of them are really like the Sando Aqua Beast has this real, it's very traditional um, monster design. I think like it's clearly important that, um, that to the idea of Naboo, that it's a very natural world. We have all of the, you know, beautiful civilization of Theed. 
But, you know, there's an endless list of every little creature that's running away from the um, the tanks when Qui-Gon meets Jar Jar. So it's 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 also story based in the prequel of that's really painting a picture picture of the Gungan world that they're in touch with all of this uh, nature Mm -hmm. as well as technology. And, And you got the monsters and then. You know, the Attack of the Clones with the Reek, Akle, Nexu, that is just so uh, traditional, like arena monsters. That's so mm-hmm. mythic. That's so Hercules gets captured and has to fight a beast, you know? It's so Rancor. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The Rancor easily could have been the fourth of like the, the Geonosians were like, if we had just captured one more person, <laughs> yeah, we could have let out the Rancor too. <laughs> The Riker was sitting, and there's actually one back there, and they're like, yeah, you're cut today. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Your day off, Tad. Go 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 on vacation. I'm going to ride an Awa on Camino. (laughs) Uh, Any other thoughts on the general prequel trilogy era uh, before we move on? No, apparently I had a lot more than I thought, but yes, no, we're good for it. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, I guess we're still technically staying in the prequel trilogy era. I was separating out the three big films from mm-hmm. the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars animated series gives us a lot more creatures. Uh, we have the Blurg, which was, of course, technically uh, introduced in the Ewok uh, television specials. Not technically, it just was. But the Blurg is in the Clone Wars and, and following up on Rebels is, is where, you know, it, it came into modern Star Wars canon. Uh, we have the Convore Bird. We have the massive Zillow Beast. Uh, we have the Spoken About, but now seen Gundarks. Uh, mm-hmm. We have the Anuba, uh, the dog-like creature. Uh, Marak is uh, the pet Anuba of my beloved Embo. We got the Tuka. Uh, we got the Vixus, the Blixus, the Breezak, the Kiridak, the Narglatches, the Rupin, the Cancels, and the Timus. <laughs> Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Are all- <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Right. And some of them mm-hmm. are like, yeah, yeah, we, uh, I think well known in general Star Wars fan world and others uh, because there's so many and they just feature in one or two episodes start to be deep cuts. So yeah. how do you just feel about that, that this is getting to the point where you grew up and you had the five, six, seven, ten beasts of Star Wars memorized. And now you get to this point of like, oh, man, there there's almost too many to remember. Yeah, there is almost too many to remember, but here's the thing about even to the, even the Clone Wars. In going back, that series, because, you know, we've watched it over different years now, right? When it pops up in the movie theater and everything, and then even finishing season seven, it was so weird to watch season seven and do a podcast about it. Because when the Clone Wars started, I'd be like, a pod what now? <laughs> the longest year has been there. But the series is always there for you, and it's always there to discover the little things that you might have overlooked, forgotten. There's so much there to take in, and that's true with the creatures. I'm looking at some of these names. Some of them I do know. Uh, Narglatches, I, I like because they remind me, as, uh, like, Maybe a, a character uh, or a beast He-Man would ride. Oh, um, yeah. Probably more Skeletor, but, uh, you know, it's not quite Cringer uh, versus, uh, 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 God, what was the one that Skeletor or Tila had? Uh, never mind. We won't go down the He-Man route. <laughs> um, um, so, anyways, yeah, I, I do I do like a lot of these, and, and I'm okay with there being a lot because I don't feel I need to have them all memorized. I didn't, maybe again, because I didn't grow up with them, didn't didn't have them. What's it? I'm looking up a T-Must because that sounds like something you can catch and I want to avoid it. Yeah, in this, in Skeletons, uh, Beast of Burden was called Panthor. That's right. Good job, sir. Oh, a T-Must, they're on Onderon. That's right. Uh, they're basically Yopi with two legs in my brain now. 
Yeah, this is the yeah, the this is the Andron answer to Yopi, just a kind of casual uh slumping about type creature. Uh the Narglatches I I think might have made a bigger smash if they had appeared in more episodes cuz they're a cool design. Mhm. Like big ferocious uh it, it really looks um, mythical, right? With that weird yes. tail. It's kind of got a sort of axe-like tail and spiky hair and scary monster face. And, then, and uh, uh yeah, yeah so, just covered the Kyrdak such a, on the wings of Kyrdak. Um, love those too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll so tell you, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to, I was going to give you my answer of my all time. Yeah, please do. It is absolutely the, it has become the blurg. And, and a lot of that does have to do with Mandalorian. And quite frankly, a lot of it has to do with my girlfriend yelling out, t-rex fishies upon <laughs> seeing the blurb for the first time because she, you, you she so loves animals she gets so excited uh we we love watching that show it's a dog's life with bill farmer and disney plus and and we both end up in tears happy over the dogs finding truffles it's it's just that's what our house is so the first time they pop up in mandalorian that first episode she just yelled oh my gosh t-rex fishies <laughs> i just was like these are the best things in star wars i didn't realize it and then going back to the the ewok adventure movies i didn't realize it but these are the best yeah they're just such a weird design right like even in the the disney gallery behind the scenes when feloni was talking about how he keeps ending up on projects that use blurgs uh he's like what are these things even they don't they make no sense um I love the Blurgs partially just because of the way they have proliferated, like mm. you know, the Ewok TV special. Yeah. But then they appear there in Clone Wars, Rebels, they get this big, they're big time in the sun in, in Mandalorian. But the reason that I started to memorize a Blurg, they had kind of just been like, oh, yeah, it's yet another creature. And it's hard to keep track of all of them. It's because it it shows up in other places. There's a Blurg fire drink on Black Spire Outpost, um, one of the the blasters that the officer can use in battlefront two is a blurg. So it's mm. like, I like that real world thing where blurgs are clearly, um, powerful enough in the galaxy, well known enough that different things get named after them. And that starts to be really, really cool. Yeah. I did not try the blurg fire. I'm going to go back one day, one day, <laughs> maybe when the parks open and I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, so Blurgs is a great answer for my favorite of the Clone Wars era. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of, of things because they're fun, just animals. You know, Anuba's basically a dog, and you know, the a uh, lot of the other ones can get uh, confusing and, and hard to keep keep them all track uh, of them all. But the Zillow Beast, yeah, I absolutely love the Zillow Beast because I feel like it's one of those examples in the Clone Wars where. Lucas was inspired by all of this different storytelling and films of, you know, the first half of the 20th century. And here was an example where he just got to really, really drill down on the kaiju, on the story of the massive, massive beast of, uh, you know, combining it with King Kong stuff. It's the, it's Godzilla meets King Kong and it's coming from these different, cultural perspectives but it is presented as this thing that's like yeah it's a, it's a reality of this world there's this massive massive creature that is beyond our understanding and beyond our control and yet we want to control it especially an evil person like mm. palpatine so it's not only the design of it but mm. the fact that it is some of why i think these beasts are in star wars at all to evoke that 
mythic uh, feeling of wonder and fear that the Zillow Beast is all about. Let's go back to the origins of why these kind of creatures are in Star Wars at all and really focus on it and do a cool story about that. Yeah, it's it's true. It's it's standalone in a way, like you said, uh, uh, and, and worth a rewatch. We might have to do that when we do the Clone Wars report. You know, we're gonna, folks, we're gonna bring that back and do special episodes. Yeah, take, take a look at the Zillow Beast. The Zillow Beast is high on my list. Um, also, be served, be served. That, like, in, in the grand scope of the Clone Wars, that that episode is you know, kind of overlooked, and, and and like you said, has a lot to that episode. So worth a worth a look, friends, at the Zillow Beast. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget the Zillow Beast. Don't sleep on the Zillow Beast. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, but how do you feel about the sheer volume of Beast and Canon starting to uh, be? Does it just feel like, yeah, that's Star Wars? It's it's just like I don't have every <laughs> real life animal memorized. Right. Is it? Do you feel okay about that, or do you feel like back in the day I knew I knew all the beasts and I want to know them all? It is there. I have those feelings um, and you have to release it. Uh, you know, look, uh, I'm a huge beetle fan, uh, not the creatures. Well, the creatures are fine, but the beetles. Right. And there was a point in my life where you could be like, what, what, were, what were the beetles doing on June 6, 1967? I'd be like, oh, well, they were laying down the tracks of this. And at some point that just is not what your life is anymore. And you just can sit back and enjoy the music of this band you love and not worry about everything about it. That's where I am at with all of the volume of beasts in Canon. Uh, I'll connect unless I'm answering questions about them. Um, I'll I'll connect when I need to connect. And instead I just get to enjoy them from afar, you know? And, and like for uh, an example is in, um, what is the creature? Cause you have it written down here. The, the, uh, uh, one of the creatures pops up again in, uh, Clone Wars season seven, but it was an, it was put initially in Rebels. It's a creature in the background. Oh um, yeah, I can't remember which one it is. Right, and that's my point. Is and then I saw and you know saw. Oh my god, a great Easter egg! And you know, but it was. But for me, I was just like, oh, that's I didn't I didn't need to connect with it on that level, and I still got to enjoy everything about the story. And sometimes that is is refreshing because I, I again loved how you framed it. There would have been a part of me in 1994 going must know what a Karadak and a Narglatch and a Kangsel is must know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, the same thing is I, I want to be able to let go like we talked about last week and let it wash over me, you know, maybe try to, to memorize if I'm doing it for a contest and then I get to uh, have a reason to spend a part of my day on that. But I really appreciate the beasts when they have in the creatures, when there's something narrative uh, like i said at the top that that mm-hmm. makes me remember like i'm never gonna forget kiradax now partially yeah. because the episode was titled on the wings of kiradax and y- you and i got to poke fun at that sounding like you know a 70s song yeah. <laughs> the, the great hit by the eagles on the wings of kiradax and all yeah. the jokes we made and i'll always remember it because of that and i think i think maybe that's a part of it is we, when you and i grew up we remembered all of the beasts of star wars because it was fun to because it was a part of our imagination. And I'll remember the new ones when there's a fun reason to remember them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Excellent. Right there with you. Let's move on then to Rebels, a place where you have famously been challenged mm-hmm. by some of the creatures. <laughs> we start with two of your very favorites, Ken, the Puffer Pig and the Purgle. Mm. And then we go on to the Jupa, Banzami, Freinach, uh, Krekna, Loathbat, Loathcat, Loathwolf, Tibidi. 
You either just put a spell on me or you, you <laughs> learn to speak Klingon halfway through there. Uh, and that's not even all of them. That is just sure. the ones that were right there for me to find on the StarWars.com databank because the Beasts of Rebels are the ones I have memorized the least by far. Mm-hmm. So uh, do, do you think, uh, well, let me just start. What Do you have a favorite? Um, or do I'll you say- dislike all of them? <laughs> No, 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 no. I like the Loath Cats. I like the Loath Wolves. All the stuff with the wolves I actually really like a lot. I can get into the spiritual nature of that. And to see Filoni finally get to have his wolf fantasies on on screen uh, uh, a few years before he plays Trapper Wolf in Mandalorian, I, I, I can I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, I am trying to look up what a Jupa is because I just that sounds like a candy I want. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not remembering. I think is the Oh, I think yeah. it's what do you, you found it? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I just I just saw this episode uh, on my rewatch. It's what uh, Rex, Wolf, and Gregor are hunting. And okay, and, yeah, I couldn't remember if that it was that or the Banzami, yeah. but the Jupa is what they're hunting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, oh, you're asking? Yeah, you yeah, saw, your favorite? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I got. Yeah, yeah. I'll go Loath Cat. Okay. Yeah. Simple. Uh, Good house cat, space cat. Yeah, and and you relate to that uh, having having the pets in your life, right? Yeah, yeah. Though what well, Tuka's probably more the house cat version, right? Lothcat's not as I don't. I yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think Lothcat is just uh, that that planet's name for for Tuka, and and they clearly, I think, uh, someone on Lothal uh, saw the 1960s Batman TV show and thought <laughs> you have to put this one word in front of everything, just like Batman has everything named Bat something, everything is yeah. named Loth something. <laughs> yes, Lothbat, Lothcat, Lothwolf. That's great. Uh, yeah, and then the. Uh, Bonzami uh, is the creature that menaced um, Zeb and uh, Agent Callus when they were mm. bonding, I believe. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, how are you feeling these days about the Puffer Pig? Uh, having that toy that I've, I've, I've shared before has helped me uh, just giggle at it more. Uh, when you have a Chihuahua afraid of your Puffer Pig toy, uh, <laughs> it, it helps. I, again, having just rewatched, just completed season one um, this weekend at one point. I uh, watched nice. some episodes there. Loving it, by the way. I've not done a full rewatch on individual episodes along the way, but a full rewatch in order. I I can't believe I, I had some reservations about season one at any point because I love it. Um, Puffer Big's a part of that. I just think it's just me. You take away that bouncing sound, I'm okay with it a lot more. Because it, it. It, it works. It's... um. It's, uh, you know, you need it. I mean, it's, I, I, it's funny. I, I didn't realize that they're, they're you know, uh, Grace and I do watch the, the show on Disney Plus and they just show dogs that are trained truffle hunters. And they go sniff to the ground and they find truffles in the ground. Not too far what Lando wants the puffer pigs for. <laughs> so it works. It works. It works. It just, it was played for, it's big comedy. And that's when I, that is season one. That's early season one where I was trying to figure out what the show is and it just left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And, and now time takes away that, that anger over something silly. And if it just, if they just didn't make that rubber ball sound when they bounced, maybe I'd like them a little more. It is the constant just battle of uh, the tone of comedy in star Wars. And when, when it works for any individual fan and when it gets a little too wacky Uh, in the puffer pigs, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you got to brace for wacky when they're literally called puffer pigs and puff up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think my favorite out of all this is is the Purgle, and probably for similar reasons to Zillow Beast. Um, I I like the let's take something real from the world and and 
almost any storytelling that happens with space uh, eventually evokes how we feel in the real world about water. Like, I mean, more than evokes, I mean, half a lot of stuff is named after, you know, naval uh, traditions for spaceships and and Star Trek, Star Wars, all sorts of things. Um, And I like that the Purgles are another perspective of that, of like, yeah, yeah, they're space whales, but that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it dives into that, but even that, even more that I, they are one of these creatures that really taps into, they are majestic. They fulfill that sense of wonder. Um, they're huge. They're sort of unknowable and at first uncontrollable. Um, but then the fact that they, they are a key to possibly humans advancing with the way they travel through hyperspace it's just a it's a way to really focus on the power of nature as an idea in Star Wars. Even in, in nature isn't just, you know, something rummaging in the forest. It's weird uh space weird whales, you know, mm-hmm. leaping through space. Yeah. And that's that to me that's what the the purgles are about and, and and why why I gravitate toward them. Have they made they need a black series purgle? Do they have that? <laughs> that would really, really uh fill up the old toy closet, yeah. right? Or a, or a black series plush whale. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm look here. I actually, I think sometimes over the course of me blabbing into microphones about Star Wars for so long, like it, it could be misinterpreted what I think about space whales and the Purgle. I, I do enjoy what they represent. I think it's mystical in its own way. It speaks to a history of the galaxy that we've yet to learn, right? So all those kind of things I do love um, and how it factors in. And as we're bringing them back, it was it was a great callback. I, I, I think sometimes you, people have heard me rail quote against space whales because it is such a outside of the box a little bit weird a little bit uh spiritual a little bit uh, magical mystical type of thing that i still think like i that i got wrapped up in using it to in in the feloni take over lucasfilm argument where mm-hmm. i was like I'm look the guy's great and understands star wars perhaps better than anyone not wearing a flannel shirt but don't forget, he, he also brought in space whales. And I think a lot of you wouldn't like that on the big screen. Mm. Uh, I got wrapped up in a little bit of that. I try to not do that anymore. But um, a, an old show I was a part of kind of pushed me into that um, uh, weekly. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, But everything you're saying, I think all true and look i'm someone who uh star trek 4 was my favorite as a kid <laughs> so i'm all <laughs> in space and whale sounds and i used to go we've been i've been to the monterey bay aquarium as a kid and was like this is where star trek 4 was <laughs> um so i'm all for it i and i i like what you're focusing on where uh, something you just said about uh, these these purgle these whales in space have uh been attached to the galaxy's ability to better itself that's pretty, that's pretty powerful and part of the Star Wars central theme. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when I was looking at this list, um, all these lists, like some of these animals are there for to challenge the heroes. Uh, some of them are just an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just kind of in the background for flavor. Almost all of the Rebels animals are really tied into storytelling. And, and mm-hmm. I, am, I am not as knowledgeable as many other fans about Rebels. I got I to gotta rewatch it. But a lot of the stories, when you look at these animals, the story is either about them or they're a huge part of the story. The puffer pigs, it's, you know, Lando Calrissian appeared in that episode. <laughs> People discuss it as a puffer pig episode. They, you right. know, they stole the spotlight from Lando Calrissian. Uh, the Purgles mm-hmm. are huge. Um, 
the Krikna are the the spider things. And that was a whole big thing. Uh, the Lothwolves are are huge to the story. Yeah. Um, so it feels like Rebels in general, and and therefore probably Filoni is really interested in having animals, creatures, beasts be central to the storytelling. How are you feeling good about that right now? Hundred percent good on, on on that, and we talk about uh, we talked about uh, Mandalorian and and the Mudhorn. No, hundred um, percent. Not even whether it's directly or not. I, I think that is part of you know again Ewoks or Luke turning off his targeting computer. That that's part of a little bit of what of what George was about. So it would make sense that again going to Filoni makes sense. He'd be introducing that, and it works so well in Rebels. If you again, if you would go back to season one of Rebels and go to Jedi Alliance and me and Mod sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know about puffer pigs, I don't know. And if you had said, Hey, this series wraps up, and one of the creatures may or may not turn into a wolf, kind of, you don't know, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be like, Yeah, eh, God, get out of here, and I'd be suddenly angry guy in car making videos. <laughs> um, glad I, I didn't go that way, but um, and and God bless you if you do, but um. Yeah, I, it really works. And going back to why you and I pay attention to, uh, there's all these names, but if it if it really grabs you emotionally and part of the story, then that's that's what it does. It grabs us. So yeah, every, everything in, uh, in Rebels, it, it really, it's very clear, as I ramble to my final answer, it's very clear the use of these beasts and creatures. Excellent. Uh, yeah, those are all great, great thoughts. And yes, I will never forget the Purgle and the possible Purgle Town Purgletory that Ezra might be in right now we'll find it was a springsteen album wasn't it <laughs> if it's not steven he should get on it right now start recording <laughs> yeah. uh all right we'll move on to the sequel trilogy so this is a fascinating list of creatures uh here's some uh not all but uh, some of the creatures and beasts from the sequel trilogy we got the night watcher worm the steel pecker the Hapabor, the Lugabeast, the Rathtar, the Thalassiren, the Porgs, the Speaton Channelfish, the Volptices, the Fathiers, the Orbax, the Vexus, the Unidentified Beast during light speed skipping, the Okie Pokey, the Etobi, <laughs> and more. Oh, the Okie Pokey, yeah. Oh, the Okie Pokey. I, I initially left them off my list and I was like, what have I done? Yeah. That's one of Ken's favorites. We got to put the Okie Pokey back in. Uh, so, favorite here. Fa do you have a favorite in the sequel trilogy era? Yeah, I, I guess I'll say. Uh porgs but then it's like i god i really actually love the sirens i like the wolf pieces give me those crystal foxes i already talked to you i talked to you about how much i love the fathers i think the orbacks uh are great as well um how many times have we re referenced Hapabor? i think steel is the greatest name in star wars uh <laughs> Lugabees, i i can't tell you how many times i have watched force awakens just had it on, and when that sequence happens, and Ray yells "Tamama parka, tamama parka," and she starts yelling at Tito, and then he he's he rumbles and stumbles away on the Lugga Beast. Yeah, I I don't even watch the movie; I watch the Lugga Beast. <laughs> you do like the beasts of burden? No, the just the, the man, the Y wings. You yeah. like the slow, steady, <laughs> grumpy. It's me. It's me. Uh, Night Watcher Worm. I love uh, the Forces of Destiny episode that it kind of expands on what that creature is. Anyways, as, as I'm saying this, the sequel trilogy, which took a lot of heat for not introducing characters we were familiar with or give me some more Grimorian guards in the galaxy with arguments I can get behind as well. As you're running down this list, Joseph, I'm like, I pretty much love all of these. This, the, 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 the channel fish, the spetting channel fish. I mean, I love, I love Luke getting, getting that and just lugging that back up for dinner. I like a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Speed and Channel Fish is is fun because uh, I, you know, that was one that I was watching Last Jedi to study for trivia. And like, I know it's got a name, and as it turns out, there's a bunch of fish that are hanging out drying uh, for the yeah. Linnae, for the caretakers that all have names and they reused them in that cutscene of uh, Solo when Solo and Kira hid in the market. Oh, so right. they reused a bunch of those same fish. Uh, so that was like just a fun, like deep dive, but it was, that was one of those examples where I don't know the name of that. And I want to, yes, just as a fan, that's a thing that not, not to win a trivia contest, for myself, every time I watch Last Jedi, I want to be able to go speed and channel fish. <laughs> that's that's not winning a trivia contest. That's winning at life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, I feel like um, the sequel trilogy really knocked it out of the the park. I, Vexus is up there for me. Uh, I like that it is a giant snake with six eyes. It's you know you could look at it and go, it's just a snake. But we hadn't really had a super snaky thing. I like the different eyes. Uh, I like the way it moves. I like that it invokes like mm-hmm. uh, of all of our real world animals, you know, some of the most vilified in our own narratives uh, mm-hmm. are, are snakes, right? So what a great beast for them to encounter if we want to tell the story of Ray going, let's just, just take a second and see if we can handle this a different way. It's it's meaningful that it's a serpent. Um, mm-hmm. So is that I, that I like design wise and storytelling wise? But man, the the porgs and the Thala siren, hey, the the porgs are just the, the height of creature design that's similar to the real world, but like nothing else in the real world. And Ken, if you are a fan of uh, beasts that just uh, lay back and chill, is there any more literally laid back creature in all of Star Wars than the Thala siren? No, and it's part of a uh, perhaps one of the most. Uh misunderstood sequences in star wars uh the, the 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 things you learn in that sequence number one ray's joy at seeing a new magnificent creature something in the new world in front of her after being locked on jakku for a while which immediately turns into horror which immediately turns into luke going yep this is who i am you this is but this is your hero now to the thalassar turning and looking at ray like hey <laughs> what's going on with you this is just a normal tuesday for me and then yeah i love that sequence i love those creatures they're the most yeah. it, so bizarre and i think that fits in star wars so well yeah yeah and you and i have discussed rathars a, a thousand times i've always loved them because i really liked that they were really uh different but that kind of leads me into the question general question about the sequel trilogy design so the sequel trilogy is interesting because it's very knowingly looking back on the original uh and the prequels and saying we really want to capture that original trilogy feeling our story is at least partially about reckoning with the past, but also the new. So it has a very interesting and specific challenge of how is the design going to evolve? How much are the creatures going to evoke familiar creatures, but be new? How, how do you think that uh, the sequel trilogy did balancing the new with the old when it comes to creatures? I think it did wonderful. And that's even looking back and again, I keep making the joke. It's not joke. It's just like, fine. If you, I would have taken two Gamorrean guards. Uh, I would have taken a corn. And I love, I love how they do it in Mandalorian. By the way, I love, and and, and we've talked about that in, on the Mandalorian report. If not trying to compare, I think for the big screen and for new era Star Wars and for a bunch of generation, a new generation of designers and creature designers and and mixed with the old ones, getting another shot to do it again in in, in Lucasfilm and ILM and everything. I think they they did a great job 
and, and invoking the past, giving you new things. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we, we got uh, Fathier's racing and not Tauntauns, you know? I don't even know how that would yeah. work. But I think it did a great job expanding it. Um, and and that's, even, that's even me looking back and realizing it even more than I thought at the time. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I I like so many of these creatures because they uh they all serve the story so well. They are all what they need to be for the scene they're in. The Rathar is this horrific, nightmare, dangerous thing that Han and Chewie are uh, carrying. You know, everything we just said about the Thalassiren, all of its design supports what's going on in those moments. Same thing with the Vexus. Uh, the Orbax are, are in Rise of Skywalker are, are such a symbol of um, community and people who've chosen to step away from the machine and do things their own way. So something being very horse-like evokes uh, that spirit of the old West in storytelling of, you know, the, the person who has their own moral core, who's off riding their noble steed, you know, it's, it's total. the Orbacks are a noble steed. So I admire so much about how they all evolve absolutely from what's necessary from the story. But then like, uh, you know, watching force awakens that night watcher worm popping up, I was like, Oh, that's star Wars. So it like was perfect for me. And then you get to the Rathar, and I liked him because, all right, uh, you, you've already shown me some similar things with uh, Lugabeast and Nightwatcher Worm. They feel like Star Wars. And now Rathar, here, here let's let's explode the palette. Yeah. And go in a yeah, different yeah. direction. Yeah, and, and Rathar, again, the design's fine. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a little bit of an execution for me. But even then, again, it, uh, being being able to watch these new this new era of Star Wars films and to take the time with them, reward you get rewarded time and time again. And and the Rathar sequence, which was a sticking point for me, now I focus on Han in that scene and what Han's about, what Ray's doing, Finn's, you know, there's so much at play there. Uh, and I love it. And, and final note to me on that once, you know, Happabore, have a big old Happabore butt. You and I make jokes about that all the time. <laughs> that could have been a Bantha. It could have been a Dubak. Yep. Great. And I would have gone, hey, Dubak, 2015. <laughs> or it's, something so wonderful and new and now it's a part of my life and it's a reference that's just as vibrant to me as a do back back in the day and i want me a hapabore plush and i don't have one and it, and it disappoints me or a hapabore <laughs> drinking set we've done that before in some star wars ranks talking about that one and, and that's part of the lesson of the new sequel trilogy too right don't be afraid of the new yeah, yeah. And my last shout out for creatures is uh, I, I tracked it down the name of it because it's not in the visual dictionary. The Etobi is the uh, the creature that the old woman has when she asks Ray about her name. And, and that was another one that I just I wanted to know the name of that creature because I love that scene. Uh, we will move on from the sequel trilogy. We just got a little bit more to talk about. We could talk about beasts forever. Uh, group together, Solo, Rogue One, Resistance, uh, Mandalorian. Uh, didn't there, There's some more creatures in Mandalorian. I didn't do a super deep dive, but right. you know we got the Krellian Hounds at the beginning of Solo. Uh, we have the Kodiak, uh, the sort of um, plains creatures that we see uh, on the plains of Vandor. Uh, in Resistance, we get the Quackian Ape. Uh, we got the Mudhorn in Mandalorian. Of course, we have the Sum of Verminoth, the massive creature in the uh, Katie's Maelstrom uh, during the Kessel Run. So uh, what, what are your favorites from that whole grab bag of really recent Star Wars storytelling? I I will say, I don't know, the Krillian Hounds kind of really weren't more than just like, oh, cool, like a little Star Wars dog. We, we get the, you know, even the even warts kind of like that, uh, frog dogs, whatever you will. Um, that one really just immediately gave me a sense of what 
Han was dealing with, what the world was like, what the atmosphere, and it fit and it works and it just kind of feels like it belongs there and Moloch and, and run around with them. Well, Moloch slides around, uh, not runs around. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really like them. It's simple, direct, and it just really feels Star Wars and it helps make uh, almost like the, going back to the crat dragon and the, and the skull uh, and the skeleton immediately years, you get a sense of the world of what came before. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they're, they're really designed well to f- just feel like ferocious uh, attack dogs, right? They're, yes. They look scary. Um, yeah. The sum of Verminoth I'm just kind of obsessed with because that is yet another, I guess, uh, I'm learning I like the big ones from Zillabies <laughs> to Burgle to Sum of Verminoth. Uh, the, the sum of Verminoth I like a lot because it is uh, taking this step uh, even forward to getting back to, again, to that sense of wonder of, they don't know all what creatures live in the, in the, you know, maelstrom mm-hmm. that they're not supposed to be going in. And mm-hmm. it's designed, I, I get that some people are like, uh, it's tentacles again, like the Rathdar. And yeah, maybe, maybe we're getting a little tentacle heavy here in Star Wars, <laughs> but its design is so evocative of Lovecraftian cosmic old ones, these sort of yeah. uh, beasts where you're like, hey, you recognize body parts, but the way it's all put together is not right. And it looks like it was put together for some other cosmic purpose that you can't comprehend. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like the sheer volume of it and the weird electricity and the tentacles. And I just love the way Lando says, that's a, that's a living thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's about yeah. all the better they can describe it. So yeah. I, I really love it for all of those those reasons. Yeah, I'm on board with it. I get, I get, especially if you've grown up thinking about the Kessel Run and what that might be. Um, this might be a little bit of outside the box of that. Uh, I understand that. I, I think it, it adds tension. It adds that. This is why Solo has that whip snappy serial adventure f- feel to it, and it's and it is the monster in the deep. It is, it is, uh, it is, uh, it's the ocean. Space is the ocean, kind of, and Star Wars. And even though there, yes, there's actual oceans in Star Wars, but you know what I mean. Like, and, and it just makes sense. There's there's things out there in the deep that we do not understand, and you might run into it, and it can be dangerous. And it just kind of adds to that. Um, I I, under, I understand if if you thought Castle Run was some cool race or something like that. Uh, I yeah. probably did too. I probably did too growing up and seeing it. I, I, the very first time I had a little bit of like, Oh, Oh, what's go, what's going on here. And now there's so much fun, fun tension in that sequence. And it's because of, uh, some of Verminoth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talk a lot about rogue one because rogue one is just chock full of new troops. We like new mm-hmm. ship designs that have become absolutely iconic uh, in, you know, the movie that gave us Death Troopers, uh, Shore Troopers, Ewing, Tie Stiker, Tie Reaper, uh, there's no significant new creature from Rogue One. There really isn't. There's there's uh, some great additions, you know, uh, on, on the ground in terms of, cr- not creatures, but species and, and denizens of the galaxy and weird little things they're cooking. But I'm trying to think of that, and, and not to get overly deep, or unnecessarily deep, but yeah, this is a story of the empire. This is a story of, of, uh, of, of it's the empire's tentacles all around the galaxy. In a way, <laughs> they're the creatures, uh, or at least the, the organization is. So there could be something to that. Um, and, and it's a very humans having to make a, uh, the, 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 org- the organic choice, the organic choice of, of, uh, has to come from within. It has to be a spiritual, kind of choice from the uh 
from the rebellion, the newly formed rebellion, and uh, which could lead to them reconnecting down the line with Ewoks or uh, creatures uh, around the galaxy that are ready to fight. Yeah, yeah. As I was putting this together, you know, uh, I was thinking through different scenes of Rogue One where it feels like in many other Star Wars movies, you know, those big shots of the fallen uh, Jedi statues on Jedha would have had some hulking winged beast land on on it you know and and poke at it or you know uh there would be some you know uh strange things screwing around on edu as they tried to make their way through the rain something scary scuttles into the corner like i i wonder if not having those kind of shots which are in most of other live action star wars is a is a a real choice to make rogue one feel more grounded and not have that sense of wonder and instead have that sense of desperation and being trapped in the only thing that is ever going to cause wonder is you choosing to do something different. Right. Yeah. No. Um, I wonder cause of, of modern Star Wars, I hear, and I heard it, I heard it just the other night um, uh, at my friend's house. Who's, who's a Star Wars fan. Like he gets it, uh, but he's a Star Trek guy and everything. He loves other things. Um, he goes, ah, that's, that's my favorite of the new ones. That one's the best one. And then I, I, the amount of people, our friend JT, ah, that's my favorite of the new ones. And which, by the way, I, I celebrate. I celebrate and, and I love hearing that. Uh, great, if that's our point, if that's, if that's our conversation about Star Wars and where it begins, uh, I'm happy to jump to that spot because I love Rogue One. <laughs> you know I love that era. Um, but I wonder if that's uh, what you're describing is that's why it reaches out to people. Mm-hmm. Who are less apt to uh, be interested in the unidentified beast during light speeds giving? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that I think it is significant, and I absolutely love Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think I just have to accept it as a preference thing. There is a little bit of that missing sense of wonder and sense of how weird the galaxy is, and I think it is in service of keeping it more grounded. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wrestled with that in, in myself uh, at first feeling like that's a critique that that is was to me like something, in my opinion, that they did wrong. Mm. But now that I just look at it as a whole of like there's lots of different storytelling in Star Wars. And for this film, we want to strip away that sense of wonder and that sense of being attached to the natural world. Mm. And we want to just make it about these characters and their choices and the machinery of the empire, I can really accept it as, yeah, that, that, that's a reason to not have that element of star Wars in it. Yeah. It works. Yeah, it works. What do you know? Sometimes being open-minded, it works. (laughs) Uh, We're going to head towards wrapping up our conversation. Uh, You know, if we went through every comic book, every video game, we could talk about creatures and beasts forever. We talked about uh, some of the animals that we meet and often have to fight in Jedi fallen order, but I felt that our discussion would not be complete unless we briefly mentioned Gorgera the Chirodactyl. <laughs> it's not it's not Gorgara's fault. It's not. It's no. not. It's not. Gorgara the Chirodactyl. A is named a Chirodactyl, so come on. Yeah. Is basically if you haven't played Jedi Fallen Order, a giant bat creature that you must fight. And uh, if you're mere can be killed by a lot, right? Yes. A lot. A lot of button mashing with words I'm not allowed to say on most podcasts. <laughs> so we've talked to you about a lot of beasts we love, and we will quietly acknowledge 
one that we're haunted by, Gorgera, the Chirodactyl. Um, we're going to close with two questions. Again, what would be, looking at the fear side of it, looking mm-hmm. at the monster, the challenge you have to, uh, the trial you have to pass, what would be the last creature you'd want to encounter in the middle of the night? Oh, it's with without a doubt uh, a Kowakian monkey lizard. Uh, <laughs> what's, it, what's it there for? What's it trying to steal? How to get in? Did it have a key? Uh, what is it going to turn me in? Is it upset <laughs> that you know on Tatooine they're being grilled uh, or, or not Tatooine? The other plant that I always forget. Navarro, I think. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, I don't trust them. You know, it's uh, going back to Men in Black. You know that that the 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 this training sequence, and Will Smith's uh, character is doing the shoot and train in it, and he only makes one fire, one shot at the little girl carrying uh, science books, and he makes a great example to rip rip torn of of why. You know, there's all these snarling monsters around. He's like, nope, nope, nope. What is she doing here? I don't trust it. Kawaki monkey lizard shows up in the middle of the night. I don't trust it. I think that's a great answer uh, and incredibly well-reasoned. And as soon as you said it, I thought, I was thinking of this as in the middle of the night, you would be met with mortal terror for your life. Mm -hmm. And what I thought, as soon as you said that is, I'd just be walking through the night and suddenly a small creature would laugh at me and just (laughs) hurt my feelings. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Emotional pain would be too much to handle. I can run through pain. You know, I can, I can... Except that a mudhorn might not be uh, happy with me. Yeah. Of a Kowakian monkey lizard, no. That'll haunt you through the night. Uh, yeah, I was going to say maybe Gorgara. Gorgara legitimately terrified me. Dathomir's real scary in that video game. So that, that's not only did uh, Gorgara kick and smash my ass many times, uh, but uh, <laughs> scared me. Scared me. That said, I think if I actually did just uh, the image of terror that popped into my mind for the middle of night is. Uh, the shot of the Eopi when it farts, but at yeah. night. Imagine that. The ass end of an Eopi pointing at you, and then that, that head just turns around and looks at you like, what? Yeah, no. Terrifying. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. And we're going to end our big discussion about beasts, creatures, animals, uh, friends in Star Wars with, if you could make friends with and ride any of the beasts, who would you want to ride? Um, I mean, look, I've been pro- professing my love for the EOPs. Um, I'll take that. But as someone who occasionally will uh, pop up on a horse at a ranch for uh, a money, uh, for a fee, I'll, I'll take a safe ride with a hat on, a helmet on, um, not a free range horse gallop. I think the Lugga Beast might be more my speed. <laughs> Literally, nice and safe. Yeah. Uh, well, my answer is going to, I think, lean into what I've learned about myself that I, that I love. Uh, large creatures i i love uh creatures that cause great wonder if i could ride any creature in star wars i would want to ride a giant porg oh yeah one that we didn't know exists that's like on the other side of the planet on octo you get over there and the porgs there have just evolved to be dragon size mm. and you can uh you can uh just hold on to the fur and they just go flying through the air with that mighty yeah. mighty roar you named, you named it. It is it is the Octo Dragon Pork. <laughs> the Octo Dragon Pork. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And that is what Vader would say, right? What? <laughs> A Dragon Pork? What? Perfect. Yeah. 
Perfect. I love the soundboard. That's going to enhance center. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's our big look at beasts and creatures in Star Wars and all the ideas swirling around them. Absolutely. If you want to uh, join the conversation, head on over to force at force center pod on Twitter. Use the hashtag force center. Hey, tag us in. Tell us about your favorite beast in star Wars. And which one would you not want to run into in the middle of the night or at a comedy club? Uh, our Facebook page is force center podcast. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. You can find the podcast in a lot of different spots, including anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple podcasts, and more. We have merch available. Tpublic.com slash user slash force center. If you're a pork fan, don't forget to try out our emotional support Porg t-shirt, which is on TeePublic uh, right now. Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us. We're always making plans and news on the way. Joseph, we've got our own things going on. Uh, when you're not researching all the beasts in Star Wars, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website for comedy albums, old comedy book, all sorts of different comedy adventures at josephscrimshaw.com. And we have been plugging things this week uh, that that relate uh, to the power of the world. Uh, I'm still plugging Vote Forward. Uh, The website is votfwd.com. It is a site that helps you write letters to people to encourage them to use their power to vote. Again, that's vote forward, votefwd.org. Uh, vote forward is a, is a great thing indeed. It reminds me of uh, just the like opening few chapters of Queen's Peril, which celebrates <laughs> the uh, act of voting. Uh, for me, you can follow me at Kednapsock or, or go to my website, kednapsock.com. I'm highlighting this week, Same You, which is a group dedicated to brain injury recovery and also education for medical uh, uh, personnel on that uh, specific uh, type of situation. And it's uh, backed, supported, uh, and uh, co-created in part, I do believe, by Amelia Clark, our very own Kira here in the Star Wars world. Check it all out at kidnapsuck.com on the charity tab. That's it for this week. We are out of here. It's been a lot of fun talking about all these beasts in Star Wars and what they mean to all of us. So we'll see you next time. This was Force Center. This party's over. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.